Welcome to Periop Talk, the perioperative-specific podcast where we discuss how to make surgery safer one podcast at a time. From Q&As with AORN guideline authors to interviews with OR nurses just like you, our goal is to always share practical information for you to take back to your OR. Today we're speaking with Melanie Prince, a clinical educator at Littleton Adventist Hospital here in Colorado. Melanie worked closely with the AORN Government Affairs team this past year to help enact a surgical smoke evacuation law. Thank you so much for joining us today, Melanie. Great. Thank you, Brooke. I'm happy to be here. So what inspired you to get involved? Following uh, an educational lecture that I provided on a surgical smoke, just to get a pulse point of where people were at, a nurse um, uh, came to my office and confided that she had nasal pharyngeal HPV, so genital warts growing in her nose and her throat. She went on to tell me that the surgeon that she worked with for 15 years, GYN surgeon, had just completed his chemotherapy and radiation, and um, she had went in for a 30-minute surgery, and it turned into a four-hour surgery, and she only knows OR nursing, and she's not sure what to do. But she asked for my help, and she knew. She asked. She said, "I can't be this voice. I'm asking you to be my voice." And I thought, "Hmm, that's where do really, I get started?" That's really intense. Yes. So our our healthcare system had actually started the Go Clear initiative. I was on, I was on the task force, and we were in the planning phases. However, it was moving too slow for me at that point. I couldn't wait for monthly meetings, and so um, using the AORN toolkit, I grabbed pieces out of it that I need needed, and basically got the got the buy-in of the staff. Well, really, I first educated the staff and did repeated education with the nurses and techs in the operating room and got people talking about it because um, when I did our our survey, there was only 34% of the respondents that were well aware of surgical smoke. So I knew that I had a job ahead mm-hmm. of me and it included education. So um, education was my main feat and then I, I began with uh, the next steps as far as doing trials and getting buy-in from a surgeon champion. Okay. Now, that, that's a pretty, like I said, intense experience to have somebody come to you with. Mm-hmm. So I could see why that was a motivating factor for sure. So tell me about how you and AORN ended up teaming up. Well, interestingly enough, I don't know if someone had told AORN uh, what what was going on at my hospital. Uh, I had I had conf- I had called around to other hospitals, just asking different questions that I knew were um, involved in the trying to get the a- the Go Clear initiative going. And in that, I found um, other other professional colleagues that could help help me with contacts. So. Ironically, I was in my my director's office, and AORN called my director asking about somebody that was working on surgical smoke at the hospital, and I was sitting right there. And so, oh, serendipity. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. I know you worked with Amy Hader, our director of government affairs. So, tell us a little bit about how the AORN team prepared you to testify, and what was testifying actually like. Honestly, I I thought I would be intimidated, but not at all. I'm leading up to it. 
Amy had me all the way. Any questions I had, I wasn't sure what they were looking for. I didn't know how deep I needed to go, you know, how much time we had. And every question I sent to her, she got right back to me. And really, I wrote a script, what mm-hmm. I thought I was going to say. And she looked it over and gave me some key points that I that, that she thought would be very impactful, meaning Eva's story, because I didn't know if I should talk about Eva. I didn't know if I should use her name. She told me I could use her name. And so she she told me what she was looking for and she needed a closer. Um, there was gonna be six or eight nurses doing test, testifying and uh, she was going to have Dr. Hunsicker, my surgeon champion from my hospital, speak, and then I would close with the Eva story to make a big impact. And I thought, I thought, that is absolutely brilliant because I don't know if I have the best story, but it is, it is an emotional, impactful story. And so I was pretty excited about it when I got there. It's pretty exciting. I, those of us that don't I think I went to the last time I went to the Capitol was with eighth grade. I was about to say, like when you're a child, (laughs) I know that's the same with me. Yes, yes. So it was pretty exciting. Yep. That day, like, can you give us some details on what that was like? Yeah, you know, I I was very nervous, and we were down in the basement of the Capitol the first time that I went, and I walked in, and there was an entire group of people, and and I saw Amy right away, and I felt good, (laughs) and I thought, okay, good. But there were several people there from Mm -hmm. Aaron, and. They, they very much prepared us as far as time-wise goes. And then when we went into where our house representatives were, it was really, it was, it was a little intimidating. I got a little nervous, but then as soon as I saw some of them, they were finishing up another, another bill before us. And, and literally I was taken, a little taken aback by some of them on their cell phones and you know, whatever they were doing. And so I thought, okay, these people are, we elected these people and they're normal just like we are. So I heard you brought a prop to the meeting. Yes. So the second time I testified in on the Senate floor, Amy had let me know that there were two Colorado senators that were from rural Colorado, and they were on the nay fence because they didn't quite understand what it was. They thought that the the whole bill was about redoing the HVAC system in the ORs, and, and because of the cost, they were going to be a no because their small hospitals couldn't afford that. That was also the theme um, when I was speaking to a uh, representative from the Colorado Hospital Association who was also a naysayer against us in in the beginning because of the cost. So having an honest conversation with them and literally showing them what this is, when I did that with the gentleman from the Colorado Hospital Association, he finally got it. Like, oh, it's 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 a pencil. It's we thought you were talking about the stuff in the ceiling. So um, I decided to pack a little Lululemon bag of tricks, and I brought several different smoke evacuators, and then I brought I brought a regular bovi, and then two different smoke evacuation bovies, and then I also brought the little twelve dollar laparoscopic um, one that they use, so I could not only show them the device and what it was, but also show them that this one, point this one out, that this is a cost neutral decision or from a from a product standpoint. And the, the senators mm-hmm. were very interested in it. That's when they, I think they all put their cell phones down and they were interested and, and it, it really made a huge difference. So tell me how you got the surgeons on your side. So one-on-one conversations, you know, the staff okay. don't feel comfortable talking to uh, the surgeons are getting getting into a conversation with them about it. 
if they don't want to use a smoke evacuator. So I actually opened it up to the staff that if they have a resistant surgeon that doesn't want to use a smoke evacuator to call me and I would have a conversation with them. So either myself or Dr. Hunsicker. So I, I had numerous experiences where I had to go into the operating room. And you know, when you're armed with data and you're armed with, with 20 years worth of data, it's really hard to argue with someone. And on, it's, it's the delivery as well. I, I told Eva's story. I just mm-hmm. said, do you, you know, do you, do you know? And then after I say that, they kind of, they actually feel bad, guilty. And um, then I tell them a little bit more about it. And, and even one surgeon, I left a meeting because I heard he was really being um, defiant. And I did not want any negative connotation attached to this. I didn't want any occurrence reports. And so I said, just let me talk to him. And so I literally was in another building, got up, ran over, and... Um, caught him in the hallway and he at first was a little gruff with me and then I I just asked him what he needed as far as facts goes and I told him Eva's story and he reflected and said you know what I think I think the guy that mentored me in Houston just died of this wow that's and impactful too. it was and he said you know what Melanie you can put a smoke evacuator on every single one of my cases Wow. That was one That's one fifteen minute conversation. Educate me on why they were hesitant. So we while nursing has been on top top of um, surgical smoke and the hazards of surgical smoke, it, it hasn't been a topic in the medical journals. So in all of the nursing journals, especially AORN, um, it's everywhere. We talk about it all the time where it's you open up the New England Journal of Medicine or sur- cardiovascular surgery, there's nothing on surgical smoke. So they're not they're not reading it, they're not seeing it. Academia is a little bit more um, in tune with the evidence now, but our private hospitals and these guys that aren't in or guys and gals mm-hmm. that are not in academia um, so much, you know, they're they're not necessarily having their noses in journals and, and so on and so forth, especially not reading about surgical smoke. So I did three literature searches that ended up 20 pages because I did have one, I did have one neurosurgeon tell me he didn't want any nursing data. He didn't want any nursing research. Huh, and I okay. said, you do know that nursing research is we go through the same IRV as medical research um, does. So it's just educating them. Education. Yes, education. And so that's another key piece is having hard copies or electronic copies of of your lit searches so you can actually send to them because that's what I did with with one of the surgeons. I said, I'll send you all my data. Mm -hmm. You send me yours. Got it. That's then, fair. Yeah. And then let's make a decision. So I sent him all three of my 20-page lit searches, and he sent me nothing. And he uses a smoke evacuator <laughs> okay. now. Okay. <laughs> That's all that matters, right? Yeah. So what surprised you the most about this process? I would say the surgeon, our surgeon colleague's reaction. It's really difficult for me to see, to have, have the evidence right there in front of him and even though it's the highest level of evidence, 1A evidence, for them to not believe it. I didn't understand it. It's protecting them as well. So I don't understand how, how it's not out there in the medical world yet. And that's what, that's what was surprising to me. 
that it really it is not a focus for them, despite they're, they're them being the ones that are being impacted the most. So tell us what steps uh, you and your facility will be taking in order to get prepared for the law to go into effect in 2020. We um, did uh, product trials and worked with supply chain, picked four surgical smoke evacuation bovies that were um, chosen by the surgeons. We let them choose. And if there's an outlier, you know, that would like another, try another pencil, we absolutely accommodate them. No, you know, they're just, I, I try not to bring any negativity to it. Just, it's for, just like you can't smoke in a restaurant here in Colorado, you can't smoke in the OR. At my hospital, they are already about 90% smoke-free, even without a policy. There's a couple of um, surgeons that work underneath a microscope, and we can't figure something out for them. Uh, but we'll figure it out. But as far as the other facilities that haven't implemented, what will happen is they will go through the same product trials with evaluation at the time of trial. And um, we have a whole process of how that will look when reps come in, because that's a big deal. There are some surgeons that are very sensitive to having the reps in their rooms. So we, we have a standard for trials. And after the trials, after the education, then the trials, we will bring, uh, be removing the bovies from the, the packs that are in the OR and replacing them with a smoke evacuator. So the, the actual regular bovie will not even be in our pack any longer. It's going to be an annual competency. It's a competency upon hire, and they have to demonstrate being able to pick the appropriate smoke evacuation bovie, whether it's a laparoscopic, um, an HPV case with um, using an N95 and a smoke evacuator. And um, yeah, so education is going to be probably the, the biggest task, but it's actually the most fun because the facts are there and who knew? Right. I, I cannot believe that for, you know, be scrubbing hearts for at as many years as I did, I didn't, I didn't know about this. So tell us what has been the most important thing that you've learned from this experience. Well, I would, I already knew nurses had a big voice, but I really didn't, I didn't appreciate how, how much one professional body can impact a legislative body. So I learned from Amy they want to know the why, who it's hurting, and they really read all of the stuff you send them. They're into it. They spend three months looking at it. You, I, you, I had a pediatrician. I, there was an ED nurse there. I think there was some other, oh, a pharmacist. So we were rather lucky when I testified in front of, they were very inquisitive. And um, what was interesting is I had sent out multiple email blasts with the senators and the representatives email address i knew where some a pocket of nurses lived and so i went on our governor government website grabbed their emails their their representatives and sent them the blast of emails with the letter that aorn already has in the toolkit they have a sample letter and that that i know had an impact because several of the representatives alluded to that and I could tell that that they had 
heard from other nurses, especially um, one of the representatives from, from my area. There must have been a lot because she literally made a comment about it. And so that piece of it, I didn't appreciate. I thought it was just about politics and, you know, money. If it's going to cost more money, we're not doing it for the hospitals because they're already they're already taxed in a way. Or if it doesn't have to do with the patient, we're not interested. So I was very impressed of how much the the re- legislative body cared about us as nurses. One of the nicest comments that came from one of the representatives was the fact that you know we need to be well to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And with the anticipated nursing shortage, you know, OR nursing shortage, we we need to take care of our own nurses. And I and I thought to myself, how in the world does she know that? But I know she knows that because somebody that emailed her about surgical smoke must have said that in their mm-hmm. email. So that was that was a, a very nice surprise and something that I was impressed with. How would you say this experience with advocacy has made you a better perioperative nurse? There's several avenues I can go down. As a professional nurse, it it shows me that being a member of of a professional organization comes with numbers. And if you want if you if we need to do something or if we need to make a change, there's there's an entire body standing behind us that can give us legal support. That was one thing I, I didn't touch upon. I, I had two senators come up to me after um, testifying on the Senate floor and to congratulate me. And I said, it's not just me. You, you probably just liked my story the best, but um, this has been an entire team. And all the people sitting behind me have been driving this as well. And he said, you know, you nurses, and he goes, I've seen other nursing groups go through this process, and five years later, their bill lands on the floor, and it goes nowhere. How you OR nurses got this done in however many months it took us, he said, is very, very impressive. He said, OR nurses were determined, and this should have been done a long time ago. And so that that spoke to me and told me, you know, we, we do have a voice, and we have people at AORN that can help us. I don't know how to navigate this system. I would have to have a JD, which I wish I did, but um, I would have to, it's just too big. And I don't know who to call. I don't know how to get a lobbyist. And that is essentially what the senators were telling me was um, the the other specialties that have come forward with certain proposals didn't have support like like the OR nurses did. And so I honestly feel like we would not be here today without AORN. I'm not just saying that because I'm interviewing with AORN either. <laughs> no, I love hearing that. And I can tell that you're really? exceedingly genuine. So thanks. That's great. Mm-hmm. I love that. So as far as uh, my role as a nurse, I feel like I've I have developed the interprofessional relationships that I didn't have before. Getting in front of the executive or the C-suite, if you will, the chief suite, um, is big. And when you present something to them, they they remember you and um, and and know that you're you're a go-to. You can get it done. 
So I feel like I've, I've stepped into the next level as a perioperative nurse leader and um, hope to further, you know, further my, my professional development by help, you know, continuing to help write different policies. I learned about preparing executive summaries for proposals. I've learned about budget, supply chain, trials that was a big one but learning the business side of of perioperative nursing is so insightful so what tips would you offer someone who was interested in getting involved with smoke advocacy the first thing i would do because understanding that the legislative process takes time is contact your government affairs representative with AORN because they they've got a lot of back work to do um, behind the scenes. And once they have a topic, government affairs takes it and is going to look into it. So initially make that contact. And the the website, AORN website, if you haven't been on in a while, jump on there. They've got a govern, government affairs page that guides you down the path. But honestly, I that is the number one thing that you have to do is contact the government affairs at AORN because as I mentioned earlier, I don't, I really don't think anyone can do this without them. I don't, it's, it's too complex. I like, for example, how do you, how do you literally get a bill? How, how does that happen? I, I would, I had no, I would have no idea where to even start and um, they will get that going for you and talk to the right people so you can get it in front of your legislators. You know, just as simple as getting on your your local government website. I had no idea that I that a map would populate, and I could click anywhere on it, and the state, the Congress representatives as well as the senators um, popped up with their email. I mean, that was simple. I thought I was going to have to do a lot of legwork, and it was a little bit of work. But um, you've got to have that knowledge behind you and I ran it by Amy and she thought absolutely send it out do absolutely that's what we need is we need to get the word out becoming an advocate for let's just say not surgical smoke let's just say any other nursing that you might be interested in it you have to have some type of legal rep- representation behind you because we're nurses we we take care of the patients we're not we're not out running around with lobbyists and talking to senators and congressmen at the state capitol. So she, the the government affairs people know that world. Like we know the operating room. They, If they were to come into the operating room, they would need us to make sure they didn't contaminate. And you know how it is when we have a visitor. But um, government affairs re- representation is the circulating nurse in the operating room to me in the legal process because I have no idea and, and I do, quite frankly don't have the time to to do the research of how to do it. It's all right there. They're right there for you and they want to help. So as far as advocacy goes, it really empowers me to have conversations with other nurses telling them, get involved. You, We can do this. While the government affairs side can help you, we are the experts in the nursing field and they need our expertise. 
Thank you so much for speaking with us today, Melanie. We really appreciate your time and all the advocacy work that you've done on behalf of perioperative nurses. I really appreciate your time and helping get the word out. I hope people around our country um, are impacted by our discussion today. Thank you. If you're interested in getting involved with AORN's advocacy efforts to enact surgical smoke evacuation legislation in your state, contact the Government Affairs Department by emailing grassroots at AORN.org. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll share this podcast with your colleagues, and we hope that you'll join us next time for Periop Talk.